Well, I want to welcome you to Lakes Free again today. Thank you for joining us for our uh, third week back together here in the gym. It's great to see everyone, and uh, God continues to be good, continues to bless our church, and uh, we're thankful to uh, have the privilege of worshiping together. My name is Jason Carlson. I think most of you here know me, but uh, for those of you who don't, uh, welcome. Uh, for those of you maybe watching online, we welcome you as well today. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we pray that you're blessed as you participate in our service with us this morning. Just uh, a couple things I wanted to mention today as we begin. You uh, all noticed, obviously, when you came in our second entryway, door number two this morning, uh, the carpet was all torn up. Uh, there's some new paint on the walls. Uh, lots of exciting things have been happening here at the church here in the last couple months as we are in the midst of our renovation project. Uh, man, our sanctuary is coming along just absolutely gorgeous. Lots of great work happening down there. And uh, we're preparing to have the new carpeting installed here soon. But uh, lots of great things taking place. And so I just want to thank all of you for your support of our renovation project here this summer. And I can't wait for us to come together in our new sanctuary and, and worship the Lord together. You, you guys are just going to be so overwhelmed and blessed by how awesome that's turning out. Um, it, here's what's really exciting, some really great news. If you were with us three weeks ago at our semi-annual business meeting, which we held outside in the parking lot, drive-in service style, uh, at that meeting three weeks ago, I shared with you that we were only $40,000 short of reaching our total goal for the projected cost for our uh, renovation project. In that three weeks, uh, we have cut that number down by $15,000. Isn't that amazing? Let's give the Lord a big round of applause for that. That's awesome. So here, here, here's the deal. We're only $25,000 away from being fully funded, fully reaching our goal, which, uh, which was around $269,000 for our, uh, our full renovation plans. So I just want to encourage you as a church, number one, God's doing some great things. What a blessing to be so close uh, and to just see the way that the Lord has faithfully provided for our church, especially, think about how miraculous this is, especially in this difficult season we find ourselves in, to continue to be meeting our budget and supporting a renovation project to be only $25,000 short of our ultimate goal. Man, that is a blessing. That's, uh, that's a tribute to God's faithfulness. That's a tribute to, to the faithfulness of our church and our giving here at Lakes Free. So I want to thank you. I want to thank the Lord this morning. And I just want to encourage all of you as a church and even you watching at home to uh, continue to give towards this renovation. Man, what a blessing it would be for us as a church to complete everything we want to do without having to take on any additional debt, without having any burdens. Uh, we are so close. And uh, I think in the next couple months, we're going to get there. So I want to encourage you to pray about giving towards that renovation project. And uh, I promise you, it's going to be so great when you get to see the finished, uh, the finished product. Uh, God's doing some really fun things here at Lakes Free. And I'm excited for years and years of some terrific worship together in our, uh, our newly renovated sanctuary. Now, uh, the second thing I wanted to mention this morning, Chaz mentioned earlier that we do have an overflow, uh, actually a cry room upstairs, room 233, for those of you with young kids or infants, toddlers that, that might need a break from the worship service. So that's upstairs, uh, that's available, audio, video is present in there. Uh, but also, too, we know that we have some younger families that have been attending worship with us. Some of you are here today with infants or toddlers or young elementary age kids. Uh, second service, we have a, a few more 
more families that have been joining us regularly the last three weeks. Uh, I just want to say, and, uh, and on behalf of all of you, I think you'll agree with me on this. We just want to say a great welcome, hello, and thank you to our kids for joining us here in worship. I've talked to a bunch of our kids here at Lakes Free the last few weeks, and I know our young people are missing Sunday school. They're, they're missing their Sunday school teachers and the love they get there and the, the fun and instruction that they get in those Sunday school classes. Uh, they're missing those regular Awana programs on Wednesday nights. But uh, you know what? I just want to say to you young kids and you younger families who are with us, we are so glad you're present with us. We're glad you're here. We welcome you here. And to you kids especially, I know there's some kids sitting out in our uh, overflow area right now. To you kids especially, we say hello. We love you. We're glad you're a part of our worship. In fact, let's give our young families and kids a big round of applause this morning. Amen. Amen. We, uh, we love our kids here at Lakes Free Church, and uh, I will say, one day, one day we will be back to meeting together in Sunday school like we all love and look forward to, so uh, keep praying along those lines. Well, we're going to ask the Lord's blessing here over the remainder of our worship service this morning as we turn to God's Word and continue our summer series looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, we're going to thank the Lord for his faithfulness to our church, and we're just going to ask for his ongoing protection and blessing over Lakes Free and all of our church family. So would you please join me as we pray for these things? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege we have of coming together this morning to worship you. Man, I, just, I love seeing my friends and my church family here on Sunday morning. We've missed each other so much over the last few months, and I, I know our regathering is a, is a slow, steady process, and, and uh, I know we still have friends watching at home this morning. Lord, I, I just pray that you would unite all of our hearts today with a great spirit of joy. Even those who can't be physically present with us this morning, please, Lord, remind them of our great love for them of their value to our church as part of Lakes Free, and uh, help them to know that they are in our hearts and they are with us in spirit today. But Lord, we're just so thankful that we have the resources, we have the ability, uh, we have the opportunity to come together and worship you here at 8.30 and then later this morning at 10.30. We thank you for all those who are able to come and join us. Lord, we just continue to pray for your blessing and protection over our church. We pray that you would keep our church safe and healthy. We pray that you would protect our church families throughout the week as they're out and about in our community. And, uh, and Lord, we just ask for your favor to be present in our nation. I know many of us are worried as we watch the news each evening and we wonder, you know, what's really going on with COVID-19. And Lord, you are in control. You're sovereign. And so we're just going to call out to you again this morning, Lord, the great physician, the great healer. And we're going to just pray, God, that you would eliminate this threat from our land. Lord, we pray that you and your miraculous power and your touch would, would fall upon our nation, God, and, and show your mercy to us and, and protect us, Lord. Let us continue to, to live our lives in, in, the, in the freedom and, and, uh, and prosperity that we have so appreciated and enjoyed. And Lord, uh, if there are ongoing lessons that you desire to teach us, Lord, humble our hearts before you in that as well. And Lord, help us to accept whatever you put in front of us, knowing that you are always good and always faithful. 
Lord, we also thank you for your goodness to us here at Lakes Free in recent weeks. You've blessed us so abundantly uh, in our renovation project, Lord. We're so close. We're, we're completing lots of work, and the, the funds are coming in, and we just give you all the honor and glory and praise for that, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. I pray, God, you would continue to bless my friends here at Lakes Free as they continue to give towards your work and towards the vision that we have for our church. Uh, Lord, give them much joy in that and, and help them to see the, the fruit of, of their gifts to the, to the Lakes Free Church here, Lord, for your honor and glory, for the sake of the gospel. And as I mentioned a moment ago, Lord, we, we thank you today, especially as we think about our kids who are joining us for worship. We thank you for those kids who are at home watching online this morning. Uh, Lord, help them to remember that they are a, a central part of our church family. We love our families at Lakes Free. We love our kids. And uh, we miss not having everybody together. We miss not having our Sunday school programs and our Awana programs. But Lord, I just pray that those kids would know that they truly are loved and valued here at Lakes Free Church. And, uh, and bless them as they join us for worship each Sunday. So Lord, we commit this morning to you. We ask your blessing now as we turn to Genesis chapter 40. As we continue our series in the life of Joseph. Lord, we commit this time to you. Teach us what you want, Lord. Uh, humble our hearts as we come to your word. And uh, Lord, encourage us as we come to, to learn more about you and your will for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, this is the pits? Do any of you ever use that phrase yourself? This is the pits. Now, that, that's not a common phrase that I use personally, but that's a phrase that my parents used all the time. I, I can still hear both my mom and dad using that phrase to describe a, a, an awful situation, a difficult situation, a, a, a very unpleasant circumstance that we found ourselves in. In fact, this week I was reminded of a time when my father and I were on a, on a flight together and we were stuck out on the tarmac for like an hour or more as the plane was delayed and the air conditioner was off on the plane and we were stuffy and hot i can just hear my dad's voice right now man this is the pits well i i think we've all experienced those times in our lives where we would say man this is the pits and this is a phrase that i would bet the the hero of our series this summer joseph could certainly relate to I don't know if that phrase, this is the pits, originated with the story of Joseph. It very well could have, but Joseph certainly would have resonated with that phrase. Man, this is the pits. If there was ever anybody who experienced a life of regular circumstances that could be described as the pits, it was Joseph. As we've seen this summer, here was this young man who was the son of the, the last of the patriarchs, the, the son of Jacob, the son of Israel. He was one of Jacob's 12 sons. He was the favored child. And God had, in addition to him being the favored child, God had blessed Joseph with, with a series of dreams, prophesying a day that would come when Joseph would be the savior of his family. And all of his family, his siblings, would bow down before him. And, and Joseph, we learn in the story, begins to, to experience resentment and hatred by his brothers. Not, not only for his favored status, but also as he starts sharing these dreams that God is giving him, his brothers begin to hate him. And then his brothers begin to conspire against him to, to actually kill him. 
And then they decide instead of killing him, we're going to send him into slavery and ship him off to Egypt. And Joseph, as we saw last week, finds himself in Egypt. He's purchased as a slave by a man named Potiphar, who was a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's court, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And now Joseph is serving as a slave in Potiphar's house. And if it couldn't get any more difficult, Potiphar's wife begins trying to seduce Joseph. And here is this man who over and over and over again in his life literally could have said, man, this is the pits. I mean, could it get any worse? And as we saw last week, the answer to that question for Joseph, unfortunately, was yes. Yes, it can. Joseph is accused, falsely accused of attempting to to rape Potiphar's wife. He's now thrown into prison, into the dungeon, into a literal pit in Egypt. And here is where we pick up our story this morning with Joseph literally in the pits, in the dungeons of Egypt. This was a man who experienced his fair share of hardships and trials in life. You know, friends, uh, all of us in our lives will go through times of trial and hardship. All of us will go through circumstances that we don't understand, that aren't clear, that, that, that we have a hard time making sense of, of what God is doing. And one of the things that I most appreciate about Joseph's story is that we are given a glimpse here of a life of a man who, who lived much of his life in the pits. And yet we see repeatedly in the life of Joseph God's faithfulness. And, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Because that's a hope that all of us need many times in our own lives. The, the hope of God's faithfulness when we find ourselves in the pits of life. In those trying difficult circumstances. So this morning I want to read for us Genesis chapter 40. It's just 23 chapters. We're going to see what happens now here as we continue the story of Joseph. So Genesis chapter 40, if you have your Bibles or you can follow along on the screen. And after reading this passage, I want to highlight for you this morning three lessons. Three lessons we can learn from Joseph's experience. Lessons for when we too find ourselves in the pits of life. Three lessons for when we find ourselves in the pits of life. Let's take a look at our story this morning. Genesis chapter 40. Sometime after this, referring to Joseph's imprisonment in the dungeon there in Egypt, sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison. Each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. 
Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so to get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you on the third day which was pharaoh's birthday he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants he restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in pharaoh's hand but he hanged the chief baker as joseph had interpreted to them Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. He forgot him. Here's an interesting story here as we continue to see God's unfolding plans in Joseph's life. This transitional story, this, this experience of Joseph in the pit, in the dungeon, serving the other prisoners, and, and even there being blessed by God in the ability to interpret their dreams and, and to see those dreams come to fulfillment. And as we're going to see, this was all part of God's unfolding plan in the life of Joseph and in the life of his people, the nation of Israel. Well, this morning as we think about this passage, and this passage in particular in light of the full picture of Joseph's life that we've seen so far this summer, I want to highlight for us today three lessons that we can learn for our own experiences when we too are in the midst of the pits of life. I want to look at three lessons this morning for when you find yourself in the pits of life. Have you ever been in the pits of life, friends? I think we can all relate to that. Well, lesson number one this morning is this. When you, when you, you can see discouraging detours, or divine destinations. When you find yourself in the pits of life, you can either see discouraging detours or divine destinations. A couple weeks ago, my, my family and I were on vacation up in Door County, Wisconsin. And uh, on our way home Saturday, uh, it's about a six-hour drive home from Door County back here to Lindstrom. And, you know, that's a long day on the road, especially when you got your family and kids and, and uh, you know, keeping your kids situated and 
going, not going stir crazy for six hours. That, that's a, that's a trick, right? Well, we had had this long drive home. And of course, you know, driving home is never as exciting as it is driving to your destination. So we're already kind of bummed that we're on our way home after a great week of vacation. And, uh, we find ourselves down in Stillwater and we're making our way up Highway 95. We're on the last leg of our journey home. We're excited and anxious to get back and, uh, you know, finally get off the road. And as we're driving north through Stillwater, pretty soon we find ourselves in this crazy traffic jam. I mean, the, the traffic was just at a standstill. It wasn't going anywhere. And uh, we started realizing there were all these road construction signs all over down there on Highway 95 through, through uh, downtown Stillwater. We opened up our phones and we looked on the map, uh, the map app, and we began to realize, man, the roads were closed for miles up ahead. They were doing road construction work. And we were just thinking, this is ridiculous. We've been driving all day, and now we're going to sit here in traffic for another hour to try to make our way home. So I said to Kim, Kim, I think I know a shortcut. We're going we're gonna to take some back roads to get home. And so I headed up the hill. If you've ever been in old downtown Stillwater, we headed up the hill going west out of Stillwater. And I was going to take some back roads home. And, uh, and so we, we went up to the top of the hill. I took a right and I started heading north. I didn't really know exactly where I was, but I figured, you know what? If you go north long enough, you're eventually going to run into Lindstrom. You know what I'm saying? And so we started going north and it became very apparent very quick that I had no idea where I was was. Uh, I, I started turning one way, going another way. Pretty soon we're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my kids are like, dad, where are we? And I, I open up my phone again to try to get on my map app. And sure enough, we got no service now at this point. So now I begin getting more and more frustrated because everybody just wants to get home. And we are now driving around out in the middle of nowhere. So I start heading north on another road. And pretty soon this road turns into a dirt road. And this dirt road, as soon as we start on this dirt road, my wife and kids, we all just started laughing at the same time. It was so absurd. We had no idea where we were. Well, as we're driving and I'm completely lost, I'm just heading north, you know, hoping I'll ultimately recognize something Pretty soon I started looking around me and I started realizing this is beautiful country out here. We, we, we were driving through this beautiful wooded area with these gorgeous lakes and just beautiful fields all around us and, and animals out in the pastures. And I, I, I turned and I said to Kim, I said, Kim, look at this. This is beautiful. And it was interesting when, when I shifted my perspective away from the frustration I was feeling about being lost to beginning to appreciate the beauty around me, suddenly my frustrations began to simply melt away. And you know, as I was thinking about that experience this week, it, it reminded me of Joseph's story. And, and it reminded me of the reality of how sometimes we will find ourselves in situations in life where we feel completely lost, where, where the way seems unclear and, and the destination is uncertain. And, and for those of you who have been in those times in life, you know how easy it is to ask in those moments, Lord, Lord, where have you taken me? What, what am I doing here? But friends, I want you to understand this morning, God never takes us to destinations outside of his perfect will and plan for our lives. And we see this reality so clearly in the story of Joseph. Friends, have you, have you noticed this summer in our series in Joseph, have you noticed how every part of Joseph's journey thus far has taken him one step closer to God's ultimate destination and plan for his life? 
even in the difficult, hurtful, hard situations. Every piece of Joseph's journey has taken him one step closer to God's will and plan for his life. His brother's hatred of him, throwing him into the pit, selling him into slavery in Egypt, serving in Potiphar's house, being seduced by Potiphar's wife, being thrown in the pit, the dungeon of Egypt. Every single step along the way, while hard and painful and frustrating, has brought Joseph one step closer to God's plan for his life. See, friends, understand this morning, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. And not only does God not make mistakes in the paths he leads us down, but as we walk by faith, even in the midst of the trials of life, what we increasingly discover is that God is actually present with us every step of the way. You see, our discouraging detours, our God's divine destinations, there's a great phrase at the end of chapter 39 after joseph is placed into the dungeon in egypt i I want you to notice this verse chapter 39 verse 21 there at the end of chapter 39 after joseph faces imprisonment we read but the lord was with joseph and showed him steadfast love isn't that a great statement friends even in the dungeon of egypt The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. You see, Joseph discovered that his discouraging detour was really God's divine destination. He may have been in the pit, but he was really in God's presence. And friends, I'll tell you something. There's no better place to be. Even when you're in the pit to be in God's presence. There's no greater place to be. Joseph's story here this morning is a reminder to us that we're never lost when we walk with God. I love how King David puts it in Psalm 139. We're never lost when we walk with God. King David says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, the place of the dead, you are there. If I take up the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. Friends, you're never lost when you walk with God. Next time you find yourself in those discouraging detours, remember that when God is with you, they are always divine destinations. Hang on to that hope. The the second lesson we can learn this morning, when you find yourself in the pits of life, you can see unwanted prisons or unlimited possibilities. When you find yourself in the pits of life, friends, it's all about your perspective. You can either see the unwanted prison you're in or you can see the unlimited possibilities that God has given you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here this morning have ever had a job that felt like you were trapped in a prison? I've had a number of jobs over my lifetime. Uh, one of my most interesting experiences, my second year in seminary, I, I took a seasonal job at South Del Mall working in a toy kiosk. Don't, don't ask me how I got this job. I, I, but, but for three months, I worked at a kiosk in the center of South Del Mall selling cheap toys from China. I mean, I'm talking like the, the, the cheapest you can get. We're talking little barking puppy dogs nonstop. Yep, 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 yep. Work, work, 
I can still hear it in my head. We're talking robots with laser beams. We're talking choo-choo trains. Chug, 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 chug. Woo, woo. I mean, literally, I can hear the, I have PTSD from this. I mean, I can still hear these things in my head to this very day. And uh, so I took this job, you know, I'm thinking, hey, it was decent money. You know, it might be fun working with toys all day. I got one day into this job, and I'm not kidding you. My, my, my duty in this job was to make sure that these toys were always supplied with fresh batteries so that they could just keep making noise all day long and draw people to this kiosk. I mean, you do that for eight hours a day, friends, it's going to play with your mind. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I'm like going stir crazy here. I'm sitting in this kiosk. You know, I, I, I begin to realize all these, you know, cute girls are walking through the mall looking at this, you know, 20-some-year-old guy sitting at the toy kiosk. I'm thinking, man, what a loser. How bad has my life gotten here? And, uh, and, uh, and I go home at night and I try to sleep and all I hear is yip, 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 yip. Chug, 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 chug. I mean, like, it was insane. And I'm thinking to myself, it couldn't get any worse than this. What am I doing? I'm working on a master's degree for Pete's sake. And here I am selling cheap toys from China. And it was really interesting the second day on my way to work. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was literally thinking I might quit this job. And as I was driving that morning, the Holy Spirit literally just, it was like he spoke to me in my heart. And he said to me, Jason, I've given you an incredible opportunity here. Today, I want you to go, and I want you to just open your eyes and look around you this morning when you go to work. And, you know, it was very interesting as, as I reframed my perspective heading to the toy kiosk that next day. You know, I began to not see it as a prison, but I began to look at it for the incredible possibilities that were there in that role. I began to realize how throughout the day, God would bring dozens and dozens of people to my kiosk and engage in conversations with me. I began to realize that there was a whole kiosk culture there in the center of the mall of, of other kiosk workers who were bored out of their mind all day and just looking for somebody to come and make conversation with them. There, there was the, the young kid selling diet pills next to me and struck up a great friendship with that guy over three months, had to, got op, many opportunities to share the Lord with him. There were immigrants from other countries who barely spoke any English. You had the, you had the, you know, the cute Israeli girls pawning their uh, perfume at their kiosk. And, you know, of course I made great conversation with them at the time. And, you know, but uh, there was a whole kiosk culture of people that were just there as possibilities to be reached with the love of God. And that reframing my perspective changed everything. You know, I, I chose not to focus on the annoying robots and the barking puppies. But instead, I began to focus on the relationships and the people that God had put in my midst. And you know something, friends? That perspective made all the difference. And in the very same way, when we look at the story of Joseph, when we see the series of trials that God had brought him through, and now he finds himself in this dungeon in Egypt. I mean, if there was ever someone stuck in an undesirable situation... A literal prison. Here he's now serving other prisoners in the prison. I mean, he's not just a prisoner. He's a slave of the other prisoners. I mean, if there was ever anybody in an undesirable situation, it was Joseph. But as we see from Joseph's example in our passage this morning, Joseph chose not to see the prison, but the possibilities for how God could use him in that prison. There's an interesting verse in 
the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, Moses, the, the great hero of the Old Testament, he, he makes this statement. He says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. What, what is Joseph saying there, friends? Or I'm sorry, what is Moses saying there? What, what Moses is saying here is we're not always going to understand God's will and his plans and his purposes. The, the secret things belong to him. The things that we can't understand, the things that we don't know, that only God knows. Sometimes we have to simply accept and walk by faith. But you know something? While we won't always know God's will, what Moses does tell us is that we can know God's word. And we can choose to live in faithfulness to God's word. And when we look at Joseph's story, friends, Joseph might not have understood or, or wanted the role that God had given him, but he embraced the opportunity of being God's man right there in that prison. And in the same way, each one of us here will often find ourselves in situations that we don't understand. We don't even like. We don't, we don't know why God put us there. But you know something, friends? We can choose to honor God wherever he puts us. Look, for example, in our story this morning, how Joseph honored the Lord in the midst of his imprisonment. Let me just highlight four ways real quick for you. Number one, we see Joseph exercising compassion towards his fellow prisoners. Jo Joseph didn't owe these guys anything, the, the cupbearer, the baker. He, he was a servant in that prison. He was a slave. But yet we see Joseph choosing to reach out to these men with love and compassion, caring about their needs. Secondly, we see Joseph pointing them to God in the midst of their confusion. They, they have these dreams. They're, they're troubled by their dreams. Joseph, in his compassion, sees their trouble. And his first instinct is to take them to God. Isn't the Lord the interpreter of dreams, Joseph says? He points them to the Lord. Thirdly, we see Joseph, he, he, held, he held on to the promises of God's faithfulness. Joseph believed that even though he hadn't experienced the fulfillment of his dreams, that God was faithful. And he knew that he would answer these prisoners' dreams because he trusted in God's faithfulness. And then we see Joseph speaking truth to these two prisoners when the truth wasn't popular. Telling the, the baker, you know what? I'm sorry, buddy, your, your, your head's going to be off here in a few days. I mean, you think it's hard to share the truth of the gospel with somebody. Try sharing that news. Off with your head. And yet Joseph spoke the truth when the truth wasn't popular. You know, I look at Joseph's life here, and I, I think to myself, what a great example for each of us. You know, when we find ourselves in the prisons of life, are we going to choose to focus on the prison or the possibilities that God puts in front of us? You know, maybe those of you here today find yourself right now in one of those prisons in life. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're in that same situation today. Maybe it's a, a job that's just wearing you down. Maybe, maybe you've got someone in your life that's a, a constant source of anxiety or, or trouble. And, and it's just weighing on you like a ton of bricks. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in a difficult relationship this morning. 
a relationship that seems beyond repair. Friends, let me challenge you today. What if, what if instead of focusing on the prison, you began to focus on the possibilities? What if you were to embrace the attitude of Joseph? You know, one of my favorite teachings from the Lord is an admonition he gave his disciples in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. You are. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What a great admonition for us this morning, friends. Let your light shine. Let your light shine so that people might see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. You know, friends, if you're in one of those prison circumstances today, let me encourage you this morning. What if as you began your day tomorrow, what if your prayer was simply this, Lord, help me light up this pit I'm in today. Help me light up this pit you've put me in. Lord, help my light shine so brightly Even though I find myself in this burdensome, difficult, trying circumstance, Lord, help me light up this pit. Help me show people the love of Jesus today. Help me speak words of hope and and faith and truth to those around me today. Help me love in such a way that people might see my light shine and know that there's a God in heaven. Friends, I think if we prayed that prayer, it would change a lot when we find ourselves in the pits of life. The the third lesson we can take away from Joseph's story this morning, the third lesson for when we find ourselves in the pits of life, you can see a dream broken or a destiny under construction. You can either see a dream that's been broken or a destiny that is under construction. Friends, I want you to look at the last verse in chapter 40 this morning. Joseph has placed his hope in in being liberated from the dungeon, from the pit in Egypt, on this cupbearer, on the fulfillment of this cupbearer's dreams. Joseph says to the cupbearer, don't forget me. Please help me get out of this pit. I I was put here wrongly. I don't deserve to be here. He probably thought that this cupbearer was going to be God's means of his deliverance. And he has his hopes, his dreams in deliverance because he believed the dreams God had given him that one day his family would bow down before him. And now God has brought this cupbearer in the fulfillment of this cupbearer's dream. Certainly this is God's plan. This is the fulfillment of God's plan to free me. And at the end of verse chapter 40, we read the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. He forgot him. And friends, I want you to notice what happens right after that statement. Look in your Bibles. What do you see right below that statement? You see about a half inch of white space, don't you? There's a bunch of white space there. You know that white space under verse 23? That white space represents two years of Joseph's life. The cupbearer forgot him. And for two more years... Joseph languished in that prison. His dreams broken. His hopes shattered. 
I mean, just imagine what Joseph must have thought as he realized the cupbearer wasn't coming back for him. Hurt, confusion, despair. Two years of silence. Two years of broken dreams. Friends, I can't tell you how many times in my own life I've had my heart broken just like Joseph. How many times my dreams and expectations have been shattered. The, the many girlfriends who I thought were the one, the, the job opportunities that never opened up, the, the promotions or, or raises I felt I deserved but didn't get. So many times in our lives, our hopes and our dreams can shatter right in front of us. I, I remember 13 years ago, as a matter of fact, before serving here at Lakes Free, I served at a Baptist church in New Brighton, Grace Point Church, for 10 years. 10 years, started off as a youth pastor, worked my way up to the college pastor, worked my way up to the associate pastor of adult ministry there for 10 years. In that 10 years, we went through three interim pastors and two senior pastors. A lot of turnover and transition. And every time there was turnover and transition there at Grace Point, I had the opportunity to step into that senior pastor role. I had the hope of stepping into that senior pastor role. I even had people at the church saying, Jason, I hope the church chooses you to be our next senior pastor. I had people on those search committees tell me, Jason, you're our guy. But each of those opportunities, each of those times, the dream was broken. It went unfulfilled. And I remember thinking to myself in those years, God, what are you doing? I remember talking to my dad. And my dad would try to encourage me, Jason, God's got a plan for your life. I remember my dad sharing verses like Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. But you know something, friends, when your dreams are broken and your hopes are shattered, sometimes even then it's hard to believe those biblical truths. I remember wrestling, wondering what God was doing. And there have been many times in my life like this where I wondered if God had just forgotten me. Just like Joseph, found myself in the white space of life. God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. But you know something, friends? God hadn't forgotten me. He just had me in that white space. He was molding me. He was shaping me. He was teaching me to trust him more and more. And he was preparing me for his perfect plan for my life just like joseph you see god had a better plan for me and god had a better plan for that church see 13 years ago god led me to lakes free three years ago god called me to be the senior pastor here at lakes free this was god's plan for my life this was god's plan for our church and grace point god had a plan for them too See, shortly after I left to come to Lakes Free, Grace Point hired my younger brother to be their senior pastor. And my brother Jared's been leading that church now for 12 years, doing incredible gospel ministry there. Friends, God doesn't make mistakes. God knows what he's doing. And, and I share that story with you this morning because sometimes we find ourselves in those white spaces of life. Sometimes we find ourselves in the white space and you might be living in that white space right now wondering, God, what are you doing in my life? Is this really your plan? 
But don't forget, friends, it's in those white spaces. When you see a dream that's been broken, God sees his perfect destiny for your life under construction. That's why I love promises in scripture, promises like Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Friends, do you believe that promise this morning? Do you believe that promise applies to you? It does. Hold on to that promise. This past week, I was reading a a short biography on the life of Adoniram Judson, one one of the great missionaries of the modern era, the 19th century pioneering missionary to Burma. Adoniram Judson had a huge impact in the nation of Burma, but do you know something, friends? There's rarely been a man in history who experienced more trials and hardship than Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson had three wives. He lost two of them to death serving on the mission field. He lost children serving on the mission field. Six years into his service in Burma, he had only baptized one convert, and he had now found himself arrested, placed in a Burmese prison where he was tortured, where he experienced severe bouts of fever, where he was on the verge of death for two years. During that time in this Burmese prison, a friend wrote to Judson, And in his letter, he said, Judson, how's the outlook? Judson responded to his friend, the outlook is as bright as the promises of God. The outlook is as bright as the promises of God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Friends, trusting in the promises of God makes all the difference in the world. Joseph came to experience that. He held fast to those promises, and it changed his perspective as he experienced the pits of life. I love this verse in Isaiah 40, 31. Friends, maybe you're in that white space today, and you're waiting. You're waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. When you find yourself in the white space of life, wait on the Lord, friends. Keep looking to his promises. Trust that his plans are always faithful and always good. And he will lift you up. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Joseph's story. We thank you for the great encouragement that we can receive through it. Lord, as we see your faithfulness and your unfolding plan in Joseph's life, it reminds us that you are always faithful, true, and good, and that we too can look to you with hope, with assurance, with confidence, knowing that your plans for us as well are always good. God, help us to hold on to faith in the midst of the difficult circumstances of our lives. Help us to trust in you, and wait on you, and believe in your promises, Lord. The outlook is as bright as the promises of God. Help us to remember that, Jesus. And thank you for giving us your word to lead us, to guide us, and to encourage us. We pray this in your great name. Amen. Friends, this morning I want to leave you with this great benediction from the book of Numbers. You can stand for our benediction today. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, may God bless you today. If you're in the pits of life, you're in my prayers. Keep looking to him and have a blessed week. I want to remind you as we leave this morning that our ushers are going to dismiss you row by row. We'll start here in the front. And uh, you can remain seated if you like or just uh, stand where you are until the, the ushers dismiss you. But have a blessed week. I love you, church. Thank you.